From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Rodgers now in the shotgun. Dylan to his left, Jones to his right. Now Jones motions wide to the left. Quick toss, Jones, left side, gets a block from Watson, cuts it back, ends up, touchdown! It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company, Adam Candy is the company. Ari is in the Finley Toyota studio. All right, Candy, we got a bunch to get to here. Uh, very heavy on uh, a football frenzy feel, so we'll do a little crunch crunch. we got to get to the Knights and a, another loss last night at home. That's coming up. More on the Raiders' future at quarterback. That'll be in the middle of the hour. we got breaking news on where Sunday ticket may finally land. So before we get all the information on that, We'll, uh, we'll try to wrap our heads around what could be in the future for Sunday Ticket. Crunch, crunch. Thank you. Tomorrow will be wild. Maybe not as wild as we've traditionally seen, or at least with the traditional info we get. Tomorrow is signing day in college football. The portal has become as big or bigger for the now when it comes to college football and acquiring players Yesterday or two days ago, we saw big news that Oregon had a quarterback out of Michigan flip to UCLA. So is the Pac-12 already feeling the effects of UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten? You got a Big Ten area kid who maybe looked at him and was like, you know, I'll get to play in the Big Ten and a lot of my local fans will get to see me now for UCLA instead of going to the Pac-12, which seems to be losing a little bit of juice. Can I just pull this back for a second and go yes, a step please. back from it? And yes. I want to ask you, as a fan of a Power 5 school, huh. how how do you get attached anymore? Right? I mean, <laughs> even, in, even in pro sports, it's a two- or three-year contract, right? Like, huh. How do you – I don't even know how you keep track for the most part. If you're a beat reporter, let alone a fan – how do you keep track of all of the movement and try to figure out who is playing for your team? Who should you be excited about year to year? I I know it's the old Seinfeld laundry thing, but at the same time, it feels like between signing day and the transfer portal, I, I don't know which way to turn. <laughs> I feel like we got trained for this in college basketball starting like six, seven years ago. So it doesn't feel like that much of a shock to me. And I've, I've always, I love free agency in pro sports because it gives hope. And especially with the quarterbacks, there's now mobility of quarterbacks all over the country. So if you're a Power 5 or Group of 5 program and it's looking pretty bleak for a couple of years of quarterback, now there's a fix. I don't understand how that's a bad thing. And to expound on this, this all goes back to what I started talking about about two and three and four years ago. It's not a long time ago, but when you had people in college football who were like, same teams every year, Alabama every year, and I started telling people, With the portal coming, there's going to be incredible player movement, and that means a lot of the twos for the superpowers aren't going to stay around. And then they're going to head to lower power fives and group of fives, and a lot of them are going to turn out to be ones who should have been playing at the behemoth, so the gap closes. This is a good thing. You know, and to Pat Narduzzi, 
the head coach of Pittsburgh who keeps pissing and moaning, but speaking out of both sides of his mouth on the transfer portal, grabbing guys all he can, right? He grabbed the BC quarterback, but then he's mad if someone grabs someone off of Pittsburgh. Like, he wants to play the game, but don't screw me in the game. What's happening here is a lot more balance around college football. More kids are getting playing time. It does change the landscape. But like we talked earlier about the high school players, there's going to be a lot of high school players who don't get traditional offers coming out of high school. And you know what's funny? Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe there should be a system where they have to go to smaller schools and get better and show that they're mature enough. They're going to have the work ethic. There's a little more of a climb up than getting an auto Division One scholarship, which, yeah, I mean, at most schools now and Power 5 is worth how much? $150,000 and beyond. There's some work ethic here that is required for a lot of kids to get their chance. And, and those who will work will get their chance because, believe me, there are schools all over the place who are like, all right, we need one- and two-year guys to fill the holes. Like UNLV, according to the kid, because I, I always worry about this when kids are like, hey, I got offered by this, 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 and that. Uh, UNLV apparently offered an offensive lineman, a guard named Luke White. They got his name right for Appalachian State. He's played a couple years at App State. He graduated. Now he's looking to, I assume, move up. He got offered by UNLV. I don't know if he's going to get other offers, but there's this whole system now that's coming into place. But, you know, to your point with quarterbacks, yeah, you know what? Um, if I were an Alabama fan or a Georgia fan or Oklahoma State or Oklahoma, you whatever, like in the case of UCLA, they landed Dante Moore, a kid out of Detroit. If he doesn't play right away, be excited that he's at UCLA, but he may not be there in a couple of years if he doesn't play right away. And he may decide, hey, I'm going to go laterally. I might go up. I might go down. And I guess the question is, where does it stop then, right? Because you brought up the idea of high school players coming down. We're talking about this in the context of National Signing Day. And National Signing Day tomorrow is just not what it used to be. You can't really judge recruiting classes the same way when the recruiting class in the transfer portal is probably more important than the recruiting class that you're going to get out of high school. But when you talk about the idea of a kid going to a smaller school, okay, go earn your bigger money. Go earn your bigger opportunity. I I have no problem with any sort of system in which we are going to turn the compensation into a merit-based system. However, the problem is with these smaller schools, what's, what's the incentive anymore, right? Like, they're not going to be the ones benefiting from this. You talk about, like, there's going to be more parity. There's going to be more balance. Well, yeah, I thought that when I heard Texas A&M was going to have the number one class and we had that whole thing with Jimbo and Nick Saban this year. Well, then it turned out A&M was garbage. Alabama was garbage-ish. And then none of it really mattered in the end. And we got Georgia, right? I don't know. Is TCU the example? Is TCU the school we look at? Hopefully it's better than what we got out of Cincinnati uh, last year. I guess I. it's not that I'm necessarily looking at it as a negative. I'm just trying to say... As a fan, as a college fan, you've come to anticipate a certain thing, which is at least that if we're that mid-major program that gets a great player, right? If you in the past were a TCU and you weren't in that top, top class and you got that great player, you were excited that you had that player for a couple of years versus now hoping that player makes you the level of program that someone else good is going to come in when Alabama or Ohio State comes and takes that kid. I would be... I am much more excited now about the transfer portal. I, I've I've always thought that signing day was basically stupid. 
All right, there's there's 25 guys who land somewhere, and they may not even be that good. The star system blows. Even the coaches can't get it right. I mean, look at offensive linemen and defensive linemen. The the, uh, the Rebel program just got a commit from a kid, Matthew Green, out of Colorado. And Bobby Petrino was recruiting him at Missouri State. He got offered by Northern Colorado. He visited, and he's committed to UNLV, which, by the way, there's no guarantee that that lasts even three days. Who the hell knows who else comes in and may give him a better offer. But he's 6'5", 270. Why isn't he going to a much better school? I don't know. I don't know what makes a 6'5", 270 guy qualify to go to Missouri State, UNLV, or UCLA. And that, that, like I've, I've always thought, how the hell do you judge most kids? Like, are you watching tape of kids at Gorman against our local high schools and going, oh, yeah. No, I think you would watch the tape of them against the best competition they play. But in, like, East Jabib around this country – when you've got some kid who's a defensive lineman who's 290 or an offensive lineman who's 290, how the hell do you really judge? You only find out in a lot of cases, Candy, when they actually get to school and then all of a sudden they're looking across and they're like, oh, boy, there's another guy. Oh, all of them are as big or bigger than me. I don't like getting smacked around. I used to do the smacking. So to, to, to me, the, the star system, so much of it's about measurables. Hey, this guy has the look of a good offensive lineman. What about the 6'2", 260 guy who can get up to 290 who's mean as a mutt? You know what I mean? Like, you can't test that until you get to school. So I actually think in a lot of ways this is kind of correcting a massive flaw that existed, this goofy star system. It Absolutely. Look, it's not just a correction. It's an overcorrection, and I'm absolutely fine with the fact that it is an overcorrection. You can't press a spring down as long as you press the spring of keeping kids from being able to be compensated, to have free movement, and for them to look at their coaches who had all of those things on a much greater scale for all of those years. You can't press that spring and not expect that when it comes back up the way that it did, that everything is going to be chaotic for a while. And it is. And you know what? That's fine. (laughs) I also understand the people out there who say, can this last the way that it is forever? Yeah, I get it because change is hard. But this genie's never going back into the bottle to the point where you're going to have a system that looked anything like what it did before. If zero was then and 100 is now, this is going to land on the higher side of 50 by the time it comes down. On to the NFL. We were just talking about Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts and what the Eagles are going to do and kind of playing the injury game. Can Hurts play? It's a Cowboy game. Is it going to be Minshew? What do you think is going to happen in this game? And are you on the side of playing the value that Minshew isn't a big drop-off? Remember Chris Sims just a week ago when you know these de- debates are really rolling out about who is the MVP is it Jalen Hurts? We saw Micah Parsons say, is it the team or is it Hurts? And then Sims followed it up and said, well, the Eagles would be not not fine, but they would still win a lot of games with Minshew. I guess we're going to find out, aren't we, Chris? Gardner Minshew in 2019 was pro football focus 21st rated quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He threw 21 touchdowns against six interceptions. His turnover-worthy play rate was average, right in the middle of the league at 3%. The guy can play quarterback. The guy would probably start for at least a half dozen franchises 
this year. So I'll tell you what, when this game was sitting one and a half early Sunday evening in favor of Dallas, I have the Eagles and teasers all over the place out to seven and a half. And you know what? I don't feel bad about it right now. I really don't. And I'm with Sammy that if this gets to six, then it's an easy play on Philadelphia. What fundamentally about this Eagles roster changes outside of Jalen Hurts, right? Is that a five-point drop-off to Gardner Minshew? No, this roster is still better than Dallas at most every spot. And by the way, Dallas, this team that was favored, are we talking about the same Dallas team that went out there and was giving up seven yards per rush play to Jacksonville last week that blew this lead to Jacksonville, that blew the lead <laughs> yep. to the Green Bay Packers that is coached by Michael F. McCarthy? Come on now, man. Come on. That's not a team that should be favored by six. The big day is this Friday. Cofield and Company's Festivus. Compile your list of complaints now. Back and looking. Throws wide open left side. Brock Wright with it. To the 30. Brock Wright 25. Brock Wright 20. Cuts back at the 10. To the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Oh my. 51 yards. Go off to Brock Wright. And the Lions are back in front. Oh baby. How big is that? Brock Right. Yes. Brock Wright. <laughs> yeah. It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studios. The snow's coming down. I'm watching the phones. Lots of people Very cool. The Lions are in it. Yeah, that victory was over my Jets, but still a cool moment. Dan Miller, Lions Radio Network, on the call there. When I ask Candy about social media, I will tread lightly because he's clearly not as hip as I am. Kidding. Um, have you seen, because I just I just saw a good example of it, and I know the Vast Sound crew pulled that Dan Miller audio from a post that was up that featured the audio mixed with a video of the announcer in the booth. I've seen... What was it, about three weeks ago? Whatever big play it was with the Vikings. Um, what's his name? Paul Allen is the voice of the Vikings. But they've got a they've got a video of it's someone's phone or something more high-tech, and they, and they mix it, right? And I just saw it's starting to get pushed out there more and more of Harry Ruiz, who is the Spanish voice of the Raiders. Same thing, like kind of showing the highlight on half the screen, the other half. Is Harry going freaking crazy? You're a long-time play-by-play voice. This is a good thing, right? Giving a little bit of love to those who are very much heard but almost never seen. Or do you look at it like, that's not why we're in the business on radio. I don't want to shine a light on my... I can't even finish that. Of course, radio guys like having the, the, the light shined on them. What do you think of these? When I worked in politics... We used to say it was Hollywood for ugly people, right? And radio is just TV for ugly people. Right? Like, we, like we, want, we want some attention. Come on. We, 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 want, we want the, the light shine. But I'm going to tell you, as, as a play-by-play guy, for, and I did play-by-play as a primary thing for almost a dozen years, the idea behind being a play-by-play person is that you're the eyes and ears of the fan. You're the voice of the fan. It's the whole concept. Like You're trying to reflect it as accurately and as entertainingly as you can for everybody out there and so yeah it's awesome that you get to see these kind of split screen things where you get to see you probably see a lot of yourself in the reaction that the play-by-play person is having Ooh, that was good thank you yeah 
Every, every now and then. Fans should, uh, fans should appreciate that. You didn't mean me. You meant fans, right? Absolutely. Of course. No, you, you, you are... You're not looking at yourself when you're celebrating watching the game with your friends at the bar in your in your living room, right? But when you relive the moment, you want to relive how you felt. And reliving how you felt, you get the visual piece of that when you see the play-by-play person celebrating that big moment. It's awesome. I think it's a lot of fun. I, the only problem is I think if it were me, it would look like a combination of a like of a seizure and a sexual moment that nobody needs to see. <laughs> so I often reference social media because I think it's such a it's a good test of human behavior, right? And there are so many people out there who get their muscles all rippled and fired up and puffed up on social media. So I was just reading a reaction to an in-game move by one of the teams playing in a bowl game today, and that was San Jose and Eastern Michigan. So Eastern Michigan winds up winning the bowl game, which for people who follow that program – you know, they'll remember it's been a really bad program for a long time to the point where, the, you know, there was talk of, hey, let's just get rid of the program. So to go to a bowl game is a really big deal, and to get a win in a bowl game is a really big deal. San Jose loses. Brent Brennan loses. I like Brent Brennan. I think he's a really good coach, right? I also think he's good for the fans. He's good for us in the media. He doesn't take himself too seriously. I think that's a good thing. But when I read tweets like, I lost all respect for head coach Brent Brennan, San Jose State down 13 points, fourth down and three, sends out his punt team, timeout, Brennan sends the offense back out, and quarterback sneak, lines up, runs it from the shotgun. What the? Okay. Can I under, I like passion, but I, I do think we need to sometimes back off on the, I lost all respect for someone. <laughs> Dial it down just a little bit. Just a little bit. We all say this crap in the moment, right? I know. We say it to each other. I know. After a few drinks. I know. Right? We say these things. I mean, I, I the believe whole me, idea I, is- I've been riding high on Matt Patricia, annihilating him, bringing up stories about, you know, how he, you know, is slovenly and he was telling someone three years ago at a Lions press conference to sit up because he was slouching. And so I do it sometimes too, but I there are times you walk away from the show and you're like, what am I? What? No, but we've had a chance to think about it. We've had a chance to think about it on the show. Yeah. The whole idea with social is that nobody is stopping to think no. about it. It is instantaneous reaction. I feel like every social media post should have a 30-second delay on it <laughs> to where after you hit send, you should just have that moment where you think to yourself, did I really want to say that? Did I really need to say this? Like half the time when I open up Twitter, I will type out something, yep. and then I'll reread it, and I'll go, Ugh. I wouldn't want to read that crap from yeah. anybody. Why, why, that sounds why, dumb. Why was I? What purpose does that serve? And yes, this is stupid. Yes. Well, they did. Uh, they do want to keep the uh, the new ownership wants to keep the flow of the conversation going. They absolutely make you if you want to mute someone. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. They give you a little warning. They're like, think about this. Is this what you want to do? Now I'm wording it differently than than the prompt that comes up. But the prompt that comes up is like, is this what you want to do? And then, sure. and, and then within a second, I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah and, was, and by the way, I love yes. the idea. I love the idea that we're getting the hold on, think about it for a moment. Yes. From Elon Musk, of all people. The baby reflexes of Elon Musk. Oh, God, I'm going to get banned, aren't I? I'm going to get, I just probably got myself banned. 
Let me just say it right now. Go find me on, on Mastodon and Post and a bunch of other things that I have no idea what they are or where to find them before I get banned. I'm not posting on TikTok yet, but I spend more time on TikTok now than Twitter, so whatever you want to do, you can do. I like Twitter, but you know, there's always a new social media invention and platform that works well. So we got a couple things coming up in the second half of this hour. want to start talking about and we've been hitting on this here and there. What happens the rest of the way with the Raiders, and what are they setting up for the offseason? And then maybe more important for a lot of people listening who may not be Raiders fans, we're going to have a new carrier of Sunday ticket. On the way back, we'll tell you who is in the lead, and it feels like they're about an inch from the finish line. And I want to start coming up with what we may be facing. I mean, it's got to be better then DirecTV, but remember, it was about five years ago that this moron speaking to you was like, cut the cord! Cut the cord! The bills are going to go down! They haven't gone down! Are you ready to air your ESPN Las Vegas grievances? Festivus comes this Friday on Cofield & Company. Chan is Chan. I mean, from the first day I met him. I mean, I've been in love since. <laughs> it was love at first sight when I went to work him out in Syracuse, so... I didn't think there's anything on the football field that man can't do. And, I mean, I'm just proud of him, man. I'm just happy for him. That's my guy, man. <laughs> That's my guy. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Walking home from our house. All right, Vast Sound Crew headed up in this slot by Ari. We're trying to do a uh, Mac got run over by a Chandler. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Graham, D.C. for the Raiders. Giggly, still giggly over the play that went down. But, you know, who it wouldn't be? Although he does have connections to the Patriots family. But uh, once you're out, you are freaking out. Adam Candy is here. It's Cofield, Ari, in the Finley Toyota Studios. So I want to get to the Raiders and what happens down the stretch here in a second. You see that Google now with Amazon out. Google. And Apple TV, the last week or so, were the favorites to get the Sunday ticket. Now it looks like Google's about to push it across the finish line. I really need TV experts to explain what might happen three years from now before I get excited. And then I find out, wait, I didn't see this coming. Because as I mentioned before the break, I was, I was so excited for cord cutting. And somehow my uh, $210... TV bill is like $1,000 now. So I don't know what happened, but I'm, I'm doing it. I, I don't, I just, I take the punishment. Can going to say YouTube, can it be a bad thing for us coming from the exclusivity of direct TV? What's the downside? Oh, I'll tell you what the downside is not. Uh, it is being able to get rid of direct TV. And I say that not just as a, Oh, it's all so horrible. I just made that move. I moved from DirecTV to YouTube TV in large part because I realized I was getting killed on the bill and I also was getting terrible customer service. So why would I stay just to be able to get Sunday ticket when I could get Red Zone on YouTube TV? And I think that's a, a move that a lot of people are probably okay with. right? It, Red Zone is how a lot of people that I know watch these games now. They don't stay pinned to their team's one game. So that alone makes it a situation where I don't know what the loyalty thing matters so much anymore. Right? Do you, I, I just, sorry to cut you off. Do you think yeah. that they will make you get 
YouTube Live, which I'm not even sure what that is right now. I don't, I don't have it. I know Adam Hill does. How much is that, 65 or 70? Well, you have to have that to then get Sunday ticket, or will they send? Um, will they sell it as a standalone? I would think as a standalone would be smarter, but they can guarantee guarantee a lot more revenue from locking it into you have to get YouTube Live. Well, but part of the deal with the YouTube TV in the first place is that there is no contract, right? They tell you right from the jump that you're not getting locked into a year or two years. And I know that's the thing that a lot of people got tired of okay. when it came to the satellite services. Yes, yes. So they, they didn't want to have to feel like they were stuck there the whole year when the only product they wanted was only there for four months. So maybe you have to get YouTube live for the football season. For those five months, you have to get it. Okay. I'll... Fine. Look, it, it's this the NFL. This sounds too good. We're going to go this find it. This sounds too good. I need to know how they're going to do it to us. Well, you're the one paying $1,000 a month, and it's I can imagine that yet, only – No, I, I get it. I, yeah. I mean, I, I imagine spice only costs so much these days. So it can't be <laughs> it can't be that much. I don't think spice exists anymore. And anyone who's paying for spice or anything like it, there's alternatives. We have experts sorry, on our just, show who can need, tell you. I needed to do that. Spice, I, I, good reference. That, that was for me. Good reference. Okay. So, this Raiders season has been incredible. And <laughs> I we, really we, took the other one off we, the rails. We bad. talked about it. We talked about it yesterday that we have the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception coming up, which has been named in the past the most famous play in the history of the National Football League. If you don't know about it, 50 years ago now, 1972, the Raiders may have gotten screwed, but end of game situation, fourth down, Steelers at their own 40, pass broken up at about the 35. Frenchie Fuqua uh, was knocked into kingdom come by Jack Tatum. The ball bounces backwards, and Franco Harris somehow in stride scoops it and goes in for a game winning touchdown. We knew. The 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception on Christmas Eve was coming in Pittsburgh with the Raiders there, with Franco Harris getting his jersey retired. We knew that was coming. What we did not know is less than two weeks out from that game, Baker Mayfield on two days' notice would show up with the Rams and beat the Raiders in the final minute and 45 seconds because of many mistakes in that one. And then in between, the Raiders would have Belichick's boner, Belichick's blunder, go down where Chandler Jones scores a TD on a ridiculous mistake by the Patriots. This setup is incredible. That doesn't even cover half of the Raiders season <laughs> that has led up to this. Let me mention a few things to you that have happened in this uh, season uh, that unless you are paying attention to the Raiders every single week, you might have forgotten about already. Week two. Anybody else remember Kyler Murray? running for like 70 yards on a two-point yeah. conversion. All over the field. That was this year. Yeah, yeah. And then they lost in overtime to the Cardinals. That was week two. How about week five? Do you remember them having a 17-0 lead in Kansas City? Losing 30-29, to and oh, by the way, Devontae Adams on his way to the Taco Bell inside his house, shoving a photographer on the way down the tunnel? Wait, that was this year? Happened this year? Yeah. Uh, do you remember Derek Carr in week seven in New Orleans? not getting the ball past midfield against the New Orleans Saints. Do you remember them blowing? Th th I was going to say that was three years ago, wasn't it? Eh, remember them blowing a three-score lead to the Jaguars? Remember them losing to Jeff Saturday? They've lost to Jeff Saturday and 
Baker Mayfield. Okay. They've also won on a Devontae Adams bomb in overtime, won on a Josh Jacobs bomb run yep. in overtime, and then you mentioned Baker Mayfield and the Kill Bill. This is unbelievable. This all happened in one season, and Cofield, it goes to show the Raiders are a team that has been at the whims of the variance of this game, right? Truly how the ball bounces every single week. And a lot of fans have come out of that saying, they're close, man. They're close. Look at all these games. Look how the one bounce of the ball could have gone the other way. Well, yeah, that was last season, too. That was last season, if you remember correctly, with the Raiders. They had that set up all year last year. In fact, when you look at their record in one-score games last season, the Las Vegas Raiders were a tidy 7-2. and two. They had a lot of those games go in their favor. And then they added Devontae Adams. And so you thought everything was going to be, what, that much better? No, there's still a team that's right in the middle. So, Cofield, I'm going to ask you this question. The team that also looked a lot like that last year, that played almost all of its games as one-score games, was the Minnesota Vikings. And everybody looked at that team and said, look at this talent they have. They got a good enough quarterback. They got a star receiver. They have an all-world running back. Any of these things sound familiar to you? And what they have is a coach who just can't get them over the top. So what are the Raiders going to do this offseason, Steve? Hmm. What's going to change? <laughs> it ain't going to be the coach or the GM. Might be other coaches, but it ain't going to be the head coach or the GM. I think the move that they anticipated making from the day they took the job is going to happen. Quarterback's not coming back, is he? Yeah, a new direction with the quarterback. And while people listening are like, ah, sports talk radio, typical. No. I think we've been leading up to this. I thought that there was a, their uh, plan from the beginning unless they were blown away. Unless Derek Carr made it impossible to move on. And you know what? I get the feeling that Camp Carr, and you know, even though Derek Carr put it on the record, I'd retire, I don't want to play for someone else. He, um, I, he's moved on for that mentally. And he didn't. I don't think he believed it at the time. I think the Carr side is, is ready for the split as well. I agree with you, and, I, and I'm going to throw some stats at you because you know that I love my PFF stats, but I also want to remind everybody that since 2017, since the Raiders were first going to come to Las Vegas, I've said Derek Carr is a quarterback you can win with. I've said that Derek Carr is a step below the best quarterbacks in the league, but that he's above average. But this year, it changed, and this was not the year that it was supposed to change for Derek Carr in that direction. This was the year we were supposed to see the Derek Carr that was waiting to be unlocked with the new coach in Josh McDaniels, with Devontae Adams, his best friend, the best receiver in the NFL. This year, Derek Carr is the 23rd-rated pro football focus passer between Colt McCoy and Kenny Pickett. Now, that's not the be-all, end-all. But Derek Carr has now thrown multiple interceptions in six games this year. He has 11 interceptions. His PFF grade has trended down for the last two seasons. His number of interceptions is way, way up. You're looking at a quarterback who everyone said, this is what you need to give him to be better, and it hasn't happened. And I'm not here to tell you why. You want to blame the offensive line? Blame the offensive line. You want to blame the play calling? Blame well, the play calling. I mean, the are fact you, are of the matter not, is... Are you not blaming the thing that's been blamed the entire time consistently by car fans? Going to blame the defense? Yep. Go ahead. Blame the defense. But the defense ain't going to make them throw better. They're not. 
I don't care if the defense has let him down in terms of winning games or losing games, because I'm not talking about winning games or losing games. I'm talking about the performance of the quarterback. I'm talking about looking at last week's game and seeing Derek Carr being the reason, the reason all alone that the Patriots got back into the game. The interception he threw at the beginning of the second half was one of the worst interceptions of his career, one of the worst interceptions of the NFL season. It led immediately to a score. Last week, Derek Carr went 20 of 38, 231, three touchdowns and an interception. And you know what? It doesn't look bad, but it was bad. Sacked three times as well. The only reason it didn't look awful is because Mac Jones went 13 of 31 for 112. I'm not telling you that Derek Carr can't play quarterback in the NFL, but you just said it. McDaniels ain't going anywhere. Ziegler ain't going anywhere. Devontae Adams ain't going anywhere. So who's it going to be? Because it's got to be something. Because this team's not going to the playoffs. This team is more than likely finishing 7-10. and So who is it? It's their car. The Big Day is this Friday. Cofield and Company's Festivus. Compile your list of complaints now. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. If you put a Christmas tree in the public airport, I will go to court and sue your ass. Happy holidays! Wouldn't I love a tinker toy and a little drummer boy? He can either tap his drum or... Really? Vast sound crew? For the holidays, we let Herbert on the show. That's fine with me. Very good stuff. Crank it up. There you go. There you go. Was that Saul? Who's going to sue? I, want a gold I think it was. Candy! We only got a... Okay, in the background, the spermicidal foam. What's, go, what's going on? Oh, what's it? What? <laughs> Family guy. Uh, all right. Important question. Is all your holiday shopping done? No, no. Okay. Not even close. No, come on now. Are you doing most of it close to home? Does it take much effort? What do you've got to finish up? Because I will warn you, if you don't know this about the holidays, people on both sides of the counter are on edge. It's, it's The pressure cooker is here. Yeah. Are you is ready? It? Tell me more. Uh, you know, I have a good attitude during Christmas. I've said before, I like everything about Christmas. You can't ruin my mood. Um, now you just, every once in a while you encounter in customer service, people are just, they're just very fired up and they're, they're, they're ready to, um, meet like over the top obnoxiousness when that's not really what you're coming in with. Cause they're so used to oh. it. Oh yeah. And so I, I don't know. I just happened to walk into a business the other day and was just asking some questions. But before I even did that, I noticed there were signs on the wall. One, we will refuse service to you if your phone is on. Like, okay, let's calm down. And then the other one was, we probably can't get your work done before Christmas, which I fully understood going in, but the sign was also hung seven times around their front register. And I was like, this is not going to go well. And then pretty much everything I asked about it was like, no, 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 no. Okay. So so I, I will I will tell you, I'm going, I will hit up other joints that do what I was looking for. Uh, but I don't need it done in time for Christmas. 
because that timeline is ridiculous. But what I am going to do this next time is ask if they can have it done by June 1st <laughs> just to get their reaction. <laughs> but it was uh, – I actually – the fun, well, it's, it's, a, it's a dumb story. I'm, I'm speaking in generality. So, anyway, um, it's just interesting going out, and, you know, people are very, very fired up. But, you know, we the customers are also – we're way too fired up. Everyone's just got to, if you get your gift, you get your gift. If you don't, if it has to come, go to the person a couple of days later. If you can't get it, chill out. So then hopefully people on the retail side, you know, aren't on pins and needles ready to rip your heads off. Well, and it's not just the holiday season, right? It's yeah. basically been post-pandemic in my experience yep. where everyone has lost their patience in addition to losing a little bit of their mind. I am yes. not going to name yes. the Las Vegas Strip property from which I have been banned from a valet. What? You? But I will tell you What'd that you I have do? been banned from do? a valet what? at a Las Vegas Strip property. No. And uh, your producer is getting a look at the camera right now because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. For and I have been oh, banned. Okay. For the, I have been banned for the grievous sin. Yeah. Of complaining when it took ten minutes for them to get to my car and made me late for the show that I was going in for. Oh boy. And I and the complaint was and as I was walking away saying, "Hey man, it took a long time." Ah, but they're ready. Yeah, that's what you're saying, and that's the truth. Well, both times I had an experience like this. It was someone who I said something walking away like, "Hey man, that that was no good." Uh, they were ready for an argument. In fact, one of them started cursing me out and telling me that I should never come back again. At a Las Vegas Strip property, seems seems uh, to, that would seem to be above to that would seem to be above their pay grade to tell you not to come back again. I'm not sure that well. The here's the problem: the would no, no. be fired up over your over yeah. your valet clash and never getting your even if it's minimal business again. Uh huh. And and but see, then that employee went to his manager, and his manager went to his manager. Oh wow! And that manager decided I am no longer welcome at the valet of this property. But Damn. the point is not about my whiny little story. Right. The point in the end is about, you're right, customer service folks out there in general, they're waiting for you. They are angry. They are up, They are feeling disrespected. They are feeling like they are catching yeah. everyone's crap and they are ready for you. So on both sides of the counter, we all need to take a deep breath over the next five days. It's the holidays. It's kind of, you know what it is? Uh, the attitude uh, I take in general with air travel, I don't get worked up. I'm not going to clash. I don't care if I make the flight. If I miss it, then I miss it, and I'll find another way to go. Like, that has to be your attitude going in because they they are ready at the airport. They're ready because they constantly get it. And I see people acting like just animals. Calm the frig down. When it comes to air travel, man, the, the, the motto is, we're all going to get there. Now, if an airline is trying to keep you from getting there, yeah, that's a whole other story. But when it comes to fellow passengers, like I am a loyal customer of the airline where you get a number and you line up by that number and then you pick any seat you want. Um, man, do people get their fruit looms in a bunch over whether you are standing in position 40 41, Ooh. 42, 43. Ooh. I'm sorry. Were, did you know going on to the plane that you had to sit in the window in row seven? Or is row eight going to get the job done for you on this flight? Now, this Are could you going to be okay? This could be the one where I get worked up. But it's only, uh -oh. no, it's only around, 
B-50s. Okay. So what happens at B-50s? Because I'm going to tell because you. Because at that point, at that point, you're getting an aisle or a window. At that point, at B-50s, B-60, especially if there is special boarding in between A and B. I just I just said relax, and now this is the one thing I do get. Here we go. Let no, because fly. Fatty may be in a middle seat, and Fatty ain't comfy being touched by other people, and Fatty's me. So around there, if we're not going to keep a little bit of order, I may say something. But you know what? I've also one of, and you're talking about Southwest. Um, what I will do now is I don't. I really don't care. I have my phone up on my chest. What wasn't there a game that people put the phone on their head? <laughs> you put the phone on your. No, forehead. I do. I walk up. No, I have my. I have the boarding pass. And I have the phone on my chest, and I'm like, hey, what's your number? Because a lot of people, like, like they hide it. I'm like, no, mine's right here. And, like, you, fatty, fatty needs window or aisle. I'm not going to fight over it, but, you know, if, if uh, whatever, I'm B53 and you're freaking C. Well, you can't get on C, but if you're a little behind me, there's a cutoff. So, fatty, make it work, he might get worked hold, hold out. Hold on a second, fatty. We yeah. need to talk about this for a second here, because to me, you're not the one getting <laughs> screwed. You're the one causing the screw, because what happens is hmm. you and your girth come in and sit in that middle seat. And what happens is you're already upset about the fact that you, big boy, have to be in a middle seat. And so you don't just man spread your legs. You man spread everything. No, I don't. That's your, not, your shoulders you're, are out there. No, your no, hips no. are you're out wrong. there. You're wrong on that. You're wrong on that because I'm uh, uh, mentally a self-mutilator, so I will curl in my shoulders and my legs and sit all tight. And like I, I again, people can be like, well, don't fly southwest. No, that's not the solution. My solution will be if I get worked up enough that I, that I somehow I miss the check-in and I have C whatever, 38, I will pay whatever it takes to be A1 to, A to 15. But I basically know the cutoff. I don't know the size of every plane I'm on and how many seats, but you have it mentally worked out. Yes, I'm a lunatic that way. Or you could just you could be special like me and be A list. And if you wanna you want you want you wanna go A list, then you never even have to worry about checking in. You just kinda wake up in the morning and open up the app and you're like, ah, A twenty five again. You officials. You officials. <laughs> Oh, Dave, you know, Dave, Dave Hall. Is. Dave Hall's like A one every time. Come on, you know that. You know, it's funny. I think you couldn't hear me earlier when we were trying to address hair and referees. John Higgins. Yeah, you got. Uh, did I tell you that uh, John Higgins, who actually has, it's not his. I think there's a fake Twitter handle for him. It's like Higgins Hair, because um, he's an older gentleman, but his hair is like this perfect blend of uh, brown and blonde. He clearly gets his his hair done. When I was in, where was I? I think I was in San Diego getting ready for the UNLV-USD game. I was broadcasting, as I do oftentimes. I will just take an, e uh, an internet line. I'm obnoxious like that. Um, if there's multiple computers at the hotel. And I'm doing the show, and I look over my shoulder, and I'm like, there's a guy with this blonde brown hair looking at me. And I think that official was just, I think he, I don't know. I don't know if he was going to make a call on me or what. But uh, he was watching. He was, so. cre he was creepily watching me. I think it was him. You think it was him? You think it was John Higgins? It could have been because John Higgins is always at an airport or a Marriott near yes. you. He, uh, he one does, way or the other. He does not take the, off ever. No, the, <laughs> no, no, no. The, the best thing, though, the best thing about Higgins, he is the Dick Clark of officiating. He has been 50 years old for the last 74 years. I, I saw him in person that night. I'm like, boy, he looks good. Okay, I'm going to give everyone out there a little social media tip if you want to see something really interesting. Dwight Howard is never in situations where – 
he doesn't get to be the big guy, the intimidating guy. I didn't realize that Sim Bular, yeah, seven, big Sim, seven five three seventy, is playing in. I think, I think they're in China. You got to go watch some video of Sim Bular, who can't play in the NBA because he can't play defense on that level. But against an old Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard looks tiny and is so frustrated. He's just like, my God, I'm 6'10", 270. What is happening? Must watch video tonight. We'll see you tomorrow.